This is the War Room Roundtable podcast, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant businessmen and women on the planet, hear their stories, and get the most important business lessons they've learned on the road to success, and get exclusive advice on how to implement their successes into your life and business. The War Room Roundtable is brought to you by your hosts, Jason Miller, CEO of Strategic Advisor Board, and Philip Llanos, CEO of Own the Rhythm, and former podcast host for Entrepreneur and Inc. Magazine. Welcome to the War Room. Brian, thank you for stopping by. How are you feeling today? Doing well, Philip. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I, uh, I'm curious. And my favorite question is anybody who listens to the show knows my favorite question to start things off with is always this, because it tells me a lot about a person, uh, but also you get, you all, you never know what you're going to hear. And that is if you come from a family of entrepreneurs, is that something that's relevant for you? Coming from a family of entrepreneurs? Yeah. Well, actually I don't come from a family of entrepreneurs. Uh, I'm probably, uh, one of the only entrepreneurs in, in my line, so to speak. Um, so I'm uh, cutting against the uh, the mold for my family. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what made that decision? Can you attribute it to anything in particular? Yeah, I think, um, you know, with my, my background, I've been in and out of academia. So I've been a professor and done research. And um, I've always been interested in applying my ideas. It sounds sort of basic, but I think, you know, why does someone want to be an entrepreneur to take an idea they have and bring it to fruition? So I think when you have an idea that you're really passionate about, sometimes it's difficult to see that to fruition, uh, you know, with other people. You want to, you know, go and, and make your own path, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this is definitely true. The The freedom, quality of freedom that you get from being an entrepreneur is pretty attractive, pretty provocative, but most people then become self-employed entrepreneurs and find that it's not as free as one would expect unless you take care of some things in business first. What was that experience like for you? Like, I'm going to be self-employed and then, oh, uh, it's not so cut and dry. Was that, or did you have a plan before going into it? Well, you know, I think, like, you know, I had a, you know, previous um, entrepreneurial effort with a software company that, that didn't work out. So you learn a lot of lessons there. And um, you regroup and you want to do it again, do it differently. So I think, you know, for me, I wrote a book on communication and, and uh, had a specific plan, um, wanted to develop this communication framework that others around the world could use and been going to market now um, and have certified partners in 13 countries and sort of just being deliberate with the plan and executing it. And I think, you know, you have to have that, that combination as an entrepreneur. You have to know what you want to do, have your plan, but also you want to adapt and sort of, you know, how do you marry those two together? Because sometimes when you adapt, it could be, you know, you get a sense you could be giving up or something like that or, or not, um, you know, following your initial passion. But, um, you know, I'll sort of threaded the needle between those two, two ends and things are going pretty well so far. Okay, and this is with, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Simpler Science now? This is where yeah. you're at? Simpler Science, and that's the, the name of the company. But my um, my product in, in my book, it's something called Answer Intelligence. And it's uh, basically a assessment platform of tools 
that um, businesses and professional service firms use. And really what it is in a nutshell is a, a framework where, um, you know, we're all familiar with questions, you know, like the, the six WH questions and open closed questions. And if you're involved in sales, you're trained on question methodologies. This is a framework around answers. So it's a typology of different answers, six answer types that you can use for greater influence in the world. So it's sort of flipping the conventional script that we you know, need to ask better questions, but it's also about you know, how can you provide better answers? So I have this, this framework that I developed in my research. That's interesting. It's tying back to your academia. That makes sense. How far back does this go? Uh, even if your family wasn't an entrepreneurial uh, family, was there that kind of nurturing of uh, your curiosity growing up? I think so. I, you know, I think, um, you know, with, with your parents, you know, they encourage you to do what you want to do. Right. I think, you know, and, and to use your skills the best you can. So I guess, you know, if I'm going to go back to the cradle of you know, my family, you know, family encouraged me to play sports and excel at that, or, you know, to study whatever I was interested in. So there's always sort of a openness to try new things and experiment, I guess. Okay. This book, this intelligence uh, qu uh, quiz uh, framework, I should say, that consultants are using and, and the like, was this sort of what you originally intended to and set out to do? You were, you were going to be this framework developer and such, or did, did you have other plans in mind and, and fell into this? Well, uh, no, I, I, it wasn't some, something where, you know, I was explicitly, you know, connecting the lines in a straight line going forward where I had this intention necessarily. I think in academia, they say you often do research on things you're not good at. And, um, you know, so I was not good at a lot of things, but, you know, communication, I always felt like, you know, I had something to say, whether it was outside of academia and I maybe wasn't understood before I went to academia. One of my bosses wanted to hire a communication coach for me. Uh, I thought I, I was pretty well-spoken and clear, but, you know, and then as a professor, maybe didn't feel understood. So I think this is a framework where I wanted to have greater influence around, around others. So, I think it's started with a desire for me to 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 be more effective at communicating and a better influencer. But this is a framework that more importantly that others can use. You know, those that are listening here on this podcast, you know, it's about, you know, take take a simple thought experiment. If you're um, selling, and most of most businesses are are going to be selling in some form or another, right? This idea that we're all selling, we're all salespersons, you know, challenge you to think about, you know, can you communicate the value proposition for your company in, in our framework and multiple answers? Can you tell, you know, a story about your business maybe? How about a metaphor or, you know, strategy or theory we call it? Or what are the key concepts or procedures and actions of others working with you? And all this may sound sort of um, academic, but you need to be able to communicate precise answers to others in order to influence them. Um, you know, if, if, um, if that makes sense at all. Okay. Well, I, I definitely want to dive uh, deeper into that, but I also, uh, I recall you mentioning, and it was kind of just in passing and I don't want to uh, miss on that opportunity. You had tried a software company startup. Yeah. Right. 
that in itself must have been an incredible education in in business as a whole. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's, I think what you learn about different businesses, they have different business models, different capital requirements, um, different resources. And I think, you know, when you're, when you, I think, I don't know if it was before the call or right when we started, but when you, when you're an entrepreneur, I think there's things about it you like and things you don't like. And I think one of the things I didn't like about my software company is in order to grow, sort of had to lose control too fast. And um, that wasn't something I really wanted to do, reliant a lot, a lot on um, others in a way that maybe required additional capital in the company, you know, losing control, you had certain growth targets you had to hit, which is fine, but you have to sort of know those constraints. So my most recent business, I've developed something that can grow much more organically and sort of control. And, and for me, it suits, suits me much better. I see. As a, there's definitely some, some, some interesting tidbits there that, that you're sharing. I, I want to make sure I, I chime in with Jason. I've been stepping all over the mic in this conversation, <laughs> taking over, but uh, I, I'm sure you've got a, a thing or two you want to question, ask, share. Yeah. I mean, I always find the entrepreneurial journey to be very interesting with decisions that certain people make, right? I mean, even to include myself, I've owned companies that it was like, God, what the hell was I thinking, right? <laughs> Why would I own that? It doesn't even make any sense, right? But so, I mean, what drove you to be in the tech space being, you know, really not in that space in academia, what drew you so far to one side? Well, I think um, you know, technologist is an enabling tool, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you have technology, it enables business. So it's, I don't know, I think at this point, you know, look at, you know, top business schools, you know, they would in- include classes on, you know, computer science or, you know, programming. I mean, technology is just, so inter you know woven with 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 how we do business i don't think you know it's that different or of an ask to say going into technologies that's what business is these days that being said you know everything i want to do i suppose like many years of business is going to require technology so like with my current company you know we have an app you know we have assessments we have um, different uh, machine learning, you know, sort of programs to analyze text with some of the things we're doing. So I, I couldn't imagine doing a business now without having technology. Um, I mean, I think that's the, the, the simple, concise answer. So did you pull a lot of that knowledge over into what you're doing now from that tech experience? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, one thing, um, with the tech experience, I think, you know, I think when you have a business, though, the business is not the technology, not to contradict what I'm saying, but there, you know, for me, you know, in my current business, the intellectual property around this framework I have and, you know, ideas, but it's not the, just the technology. I think there's sometimes in the real like SaaS world and startup world of technology, there's this reification of the technology where that is the business where you can just sort of develop some MVP products and iterate it and you're going to have something and maybe, but the thing I took away from my business to connect the dots is that yes, technology is important, 
but sort of the ideas in my my from my framework, my intellectual property, that's the core of the business. So what I find myself gravitating to a lot to, there's a lot of technology I think out there for entrepreneurs that's very scalable. You can invest wisely in technology. You know, for example, there's a lot of no code solutions out there, you know, and there's things you can use. And I think that's where things are going to be going. I mean, you just take a look at um, websites. Probably most of your listeners are familiar with perhaps, you know, developing a website. You used to code that, you know, you know, custom code a website. Now you have all these platforms like Weebly or WordPress and it's no code or low code. Well, that's where things are going with so many other applications, you know. So anyways, you can be smart about understanding how to use technology, but, you know, technology should never be the centerpiece of your company. I think that was one thing I took away from my first experience. Right. Before creating the uh, the, the answer intelligence uh, framework and getting it set up and having people adopt it, is there any, I'm sure it's all necessary and, and inter. Uh, like you can't take out a piece and have it work the same, but is there one piece in particular that it leans on more than another that uh, you found particularly interesting yourself saying, wow, this really is a piece that is pivotal to being able to communicate successfully. I'll give you sort of one, one of the tips of the framework. I mean, your user, your, your, your patrons can, can go to, to my website, raise your and there's some pictures of, of some visuals one of the ideas that I think really connects with the audience is that, you know, this is a framework of questions and answers. So there's important why, what, and how questions. So if I was asking you, Philip, you know, on an interview, you know, what, you know, maybe you're interviewing for a job and I might say, you know, what, what, it's, what is leadership to you? Okay. Or it could be a why question, you know, a very important question in our framework, you can answer twice. And that's the idea of appealing to sort of the logical and emotional side of the brain. So, for example, if, 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 if I asked you, what is leadership? You might reply with, in our framework, a concept answer seems sort of generic and basic. But you might say um, leadership is inspiring and holding people accountable. Okay. So you have command. It's simple. It's concise. And then I might say, then you might say as a metaphor, you know, it's like two ropes. And I'm holding my fingers up for those that can't see it. Uh, the two ropes are separate, they're strong, but when they're braided together, they're stronger. That's how I lead. I inspire and hold people accountable each meeting. So that if you said those in sequence without my commentary on the answer types, it's concept and metaphor, they'd be answering twice. So this idea for the why question, you could similarly answer twice. The how question, you can answer twice. So if you want to be really impactful, provide an answer that uh, you know appeals to both sides of the brain. So with our framework, there's a series of simple um, prescriptions like that that really can make a difference in how you communicate. And I should say, you know, there's uh, six of them in total that we learned from the top golf instructors in the world. That's where I conducted the research with. So it's these kind of simple prescriptions that people haven't heard of before that can, I think can have a profound impact in terms of your ability to influence, whether it's on interviews or sales calls or in any other environment. Thank you for breaking that down. I, I I really do appreciate that. I I like part of that framework. And you said they can go to raiseyouraq.com. That's correct. Raiseyouraq.com. Okay. And now 
what has the adoption been like for you? Like, uh, have you have you iterated it as you continue to work with companies and entrepreneurs and say like, oh, you know what? I need to. You yourself had to update the uh, the the framework itself to to begin yeah. to match. Yeah, I think it's um, a good question. I mean, you know, go back to the earlier part of the conversation. There's sort of a, a steady line you're going, but you have to adapt. And but you don't want to adapt too much, or you sort of lose your core. So yeah, we've adapted. I think, for example, in my book, if you read the book, um, you know, we I, I don't talk as much about questions. You know, it's a framework with maps questions to answers. But um, since I've gone to market more on on questions for people because there's still a lot to learn on questions you know um you know when people ask like little children ask questions they 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 may say how all the time and sometimes they mean what or why so like question recognition you know and and when when a seller is talking to you and then you know they're asking a question is it a why what or how question so they have to have to include more on questions And and i guess the 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 big point on this is you know, my assumption was we know a lot about questions, but the reality is we may not know as much as we think we do. So I had to, you know, push more on the question side. And then in terms of, you know, two other points I'll make is, you know, as we went forward with this, I think um, one thing with an entrepreneur's journey, particularly if you're growing organically, is you have to do a lot. So there's been sort of phases in the business, you know, a couple members of our team, but there's a lot of stuff I'm doing. And it's sort of like social media phase. And now we're switching to some other phase. You know, it's hard to do a lot of things at once. Um, you know, that changes as you begin to hire people. But, you know, that's sort of a natural maturation. I think, you know, people have done entrepreneurship may have experienced if, if they're like me. And I think the last thing is just the evolution, you know, of the products. You know, I think it's very important to listen to the customers and give them what they want. So, you know, a lot of our products like our app and some other things have come directly from our partners. So, you know, listening, trying to evolve. Okay. Right on. I, I think I have a better understanding of what you're doing now. <laughs> with uh, and, and so with that said, uh, I'm curious if you could have gone back to the younger you just mm-hmm. before at the software company, knowing what you know now. Uh, the frameworks that you've developed, would you encourage the you that was running the software company to take a look at these frameworks? That's a good question. You know, it's like the the butterfly's wings or something like that. If you change something, does it, you know, impact the future <laughs> state? You know, I don't know. To, to some extent, I think everything I've developed now is developed because it was the right time. You know, I don't know if I was ready to develop before or if I would have done it the same way. But I think if you look backwards, the one thing I say, even going even further back, I think going back to college, my undergraduate, you know, PhD, but uh, in organizational behavior in HR, which I like, but I think I would have done computer science, you know, many years back. And and I think I would have, I would have done that um, to maybe help me kickstart some of my entrepreneurship in integration of technology even earlier, perhaps that'd be one thing maybe I would look at. Okay. Right on. Yeah. Computer science is something that definitely crossed my mind too, but yeah, I, I don't know if I have the patience for it. It's, it's, it's a different, it's a different side of the brain. I don't, I don't think I operate on that one. <laughs> uh, it's, 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 it takes a, a kind of personality, just like business. 
And, uh, and I like that you were hyper aware of how you felt when you were at the software company and saying to yourself, I can see where this is going. And I know that I don't like the way this is asking me to develop, right? You're like, this isn't what I had in mind. And so what most people have a hard time doing, you changed your mind. You say, all right, well, close that up, move on to the next. And you went ahead and developed intellectual property because you said to yourself, part of what I loved so much about the tech company that I had started, the software company, was that there was intellectual property there, that there was something proprietary, something I was doing that could grow. And so you said, I don't have to have a tech company for that. I just develop intellectual property, which is something that gets lost in a lot of people. It's something that I've been learning a lot about as we do more and more of these shows and talk to more and more entrepreneurs is how valuable intellectual property really is. And so there are lessons there for anybody who's listening in regards to take a hard look at the things you've accomplished, the things you've done and how it can become an intellectual property asset. just look at the framework you develop and what that's done for people, the impact that it's created on top of the fact that the value of an asset that it's become for your company as a whole. So there's a lot of things that I picked up from this conversation that I hope the listener uh, took away from that. And, and with that said, uh, I want to go to the grand finale question. Before I do that, I'll check in with Jason just to make sure. Uh, I'll only say this. You ask almost anybody that knows me, I hate tech. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> I don't hate it like in a way that that I don't like to use it necessarily, but I hate implementing technology, right? Yeah. So that that's the hard part. And you have to have smart people around you that really know how to do that kind of stuff. Cause you ask me to go log into the back end of my website, be like, no. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> here's my tech director call him <laughs> so, yeah. but but i'm a big believer in you know find the three things that you're really really good at i call them your three superpowers and just focus on those try not to and that's not that we don't learn and grow that's not what i'm saying but but we're all good at you know we're super good at two to three things, like really, really good at those two to three things. And if we could just as, as people, as business owners, just only focus on those two or three things that we're super good at, and then everything else surround yourself with the team to, to do the three things they're good at. And then their three things they're good at. That's what really leads to the, to a very highly successful business model. Um, and yes, revenue controls a lot of that and, and things like that too. So sometimes when you're starting out as an entrepreneur, you're you're the tech guy, you're the COO, you're the vice president, you're the HR team, you're the everybody, right? But I think one really has to make a conscious effort to get yourself out of that as quickly as possible. Yeah. Um, because it's easy to get sucked into it for a very, very long time. And then, you know, all of a sudden it's a year later and your kids are a year older and you're like, holy shit, I just missed a whole year of life. (laughs) So, so the quicker you can get yourself out of that, the way better off you're going to be. And 
I love what you're doing. I think it brings a whole different dynamic to, you know, lots of different areas, but I think a really great place for that is sales. Really, really good opportunity there in that sales environment to get salespeople to think differently. Right. Yeah. I mean, just, just to echo that, you know, there's all these different answer types and sales I think there's a big focus on stories. Stories mm-hmm. are great, but if you like stories, maybe try metaphors. You know, they're 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 different, but they also have an emotional connection. You know, like the story is Romeo and Juliet, the metaphor is star-crossed lovers. So imagine if you can tell the story about your products, but then you have metaphors as well. So they're the you know, it's but it's opening your mind more broadly to sort of the entire framework. And to your point, um, there is a lot of application for this in, in the sales context, being more influential, better answers to pressing customer questions. Man, yeah, I can see the power of metaphor now. I'm still obsessed there. Yeah, you know that I hear that phrase all the time, but I, I never take it to heart. What does it actually mean? So I, I see that it's funny. I take it for granted. Uh, with that said, the grand finale is drum roll. Duh, 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 duh. Uh, if you could have invited anybody dead or alive to be a part of this conversation today to listen in on what you were talking about uh learn from you maybe even contribute to the conversation who would you have loved to have invited and why well i think uh of course i'd like to say my dad who's who's no longer with us love to have my dad with us i think and this goes full circle with you know did your family nurture you as an entrepreneur i guess maybe in ways i didn't realize but Nurturing your passions. And my dad was a, a CPA and accountant. He loved Excel spreadsheets. I loved Excel spreadsheets. You know, I, I love sort of mathematical models and some of the things I've developed and am doing, machine learning. He would love it. You know, so love to have him around to share his thoughts and perspective and what some of these tools are. Because uh, as excited as I get about this, I think sometimes being an entrepreneur, there's very few people you can really speak to. Even some of my, my partners and colleagues, you know, they're interested in like marketing or certain aspects of it. But, you know, maybe what you're most passionate about, there's few people that really want to talk to you about that. You know, my wife certainly doesn't want to talk about, you know, things like that. So having my, my dad around to share, and I guess the message more broadly is when you're an entrepreneur, you do need to, if you can, find people that can really connect with your vision and talk about it in the way you want to, which is uh, sometimes easier said than done. With that being said, you have some good partners and people are bringing on that I can now chat with, but love to have my dad here. Yeah, man. Huge shout out. I'm, I'm almost positive based on what you just told me there with that little bit of data. And we talk about everything that we just covered in this conversation. It sounds like you two would have had a lot. You probably would have created a 2.0, 3.0, 4.0 together. Mm-hmm. Seriously. I, I can see that. So for me, I love those answers because they just go back to what we've seen time and time again in these conversations of the humanity uh, and the similarities that, that we all carry. Yet the differences just take us a few degrees in different directions, but the, but the, the path, the, the, the obstacles that we meet, the transformation that's required, the self-awareness that's required in order for that transformation to take place in the first place. All of that is just, it's ubiquitous. We see it everywhere. So I'm really, really glad that we had uh, a time to dive into your story. I can't thank you enough. I want to reiterate, people can go to raise your 
aq.com, I believe. Is that correct? That's correct. Right on. And then I'll turn it over to Jason to close this out. Yeah. Well, thanks first and foremost, sharing your story, sharing your journey, sharing just uh, uh, enough about what you do uh, to make it make sense. I think the work you're doing is important. Um, as we talked about, gosh, week or so ago, but when we talked before, I think what you're doing is important and it's impactful. So, you know, keep driving forward with that. And, you know, people see value, right? I mean, so sometimes it's our job to just make sure that they see it. <laughs> That's all, right? Make sure people see the value in the things that we're doing. Um, and sometimes that's the failure we have, you know, we know we have something really great, something really good can impact a lot of people, but we put it in front of their face and they don't see it. And that's only, there's only one person to blame and that's us. Right. So, so we have to make people see the, the goodness that it can bring into their lives. And there's a lot of good there that you guys are doing great work over there. And uh, thanks for taking a little bit of time to come here and share what you're doing with our audience. Um, and uh, it's been great having you on the show. Just want to say thank you, Jason, Philip. I really appreciate the opportunity. So thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the War Room Roundtable with your hosts, Jason Miller and Philip Lanos. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates. And always remember, if you can dream it and believe it, then you can go achieve it. We'll see you in the next episode.